Hey everyone, welcome back to a packed edition of the Shooting the Shift podcast. We have a bunch of news to cover both with our team and around the league. Looks like free agency's finally starting to pick up, boys. Yeah, free agency. I feel like in the past couple of days, um, especially last, really last week since we recorded, uh, free agency has started to get wild and I love it. It's Baseball's starting to heat up again. Uh, spring training's around the corner. Uh, Rob Manfred, the clown of all clowns, said the MLB season is starting on time, so we have that to look forward to. Which um, but I yeah. think that's a big reason why you're finally starting to see the moves. There's yeah, right. less questions I, he, now as to when it's starting, so everyone's looking to get their squads together now. Yeah, I think we were we were waiting for this week for so long. We had we had seen some moves here and there, but I think this week we really started to see the MLB start to uh, take shape. We saw some big names go places. We saw some big offers happen, and let's talk about a big offer that is near and dear to the Shoot and the Shift podcast heart. The Phillies have reportedly offered JT Real Muto. A five-year, hundred million plus dollar contract. I'm thinking somewhere closer to the 110 range, but that is a great sign that our Phillies are making a move to keep JT. Ken Rosenthal said it's JT's most likely landing spot now. The Philadelphia Phillies. I love to see it. I didn't think we were going to see something like this for a little while, but it's good to see that Middleton and Dombrowski have sacked up and put an offer on JT's table. Look, we said from the time Dombrowski was hired, you don't bring in a Dave Dombrowski to not re-sign JT Real Muto. This is exactly what they need to be doing, and they just need to get it done. Davey Doms needs to show he's a closer down in Philly. Yeah, that's that's what we need. Um the team just is instantly better when JT resigns. Oh, he's I, he's one of the biggest heartbeats in, in that uh, in that whole clubhouse. Yes, yeah, so really now I think it's only a matter of days until we get the uh, the notification that JT Real Muto is returning to the Phillies for five more years. And when that happens, I'm sure there will be an emergency podcast recording. Uh, it's nothing like when Bryce Harper signed. I feel like. Uh, JT's not on the same level, but it still, I think it means as much to the franchise moving forward as it did getting Bryce. It's a significant part of the offense, you know, catching position for the Phillies after Carlos Ruiz left with, was kind of a struggle. And I think once the Phillies made the trade move for JT giving up Sixto, now, obviously we've seen how well Sixto's mm. done in Miami, but I, I think it was really just keen on the Phillies part to make sure that this deal got done this year. So if I'm excited to see if uh, JT, if the camp likes the offer and we're going to see JT back in a Phillies uniform come uh, spring training. Not bringing back JT is an admission that you're not trying to win anymore. Right. And so that's why I'm bringing said him back. It multiple times. We've said it multiple times. We've quoted John Middleton directly that he's going to die trying to bring a world series title back to philadelphia and if he if he didn't offer this to jt he could have 
he is just not trying to win. And I think it's, it's a big deal uh, having JT come back. I know we've, we've talked about it extensively, what he means to not just the offense, but the pitching rotation, Um, having JT behind the dish every day, what he means to the defense. He is one of, if not the best defensive catcher in baseball. Uh, You don't see, I mean, Yadier Molina in his prime is probably the closest thing to uh, like arm strength behind the plate that I can relate JT to. He throws out so many batters. He's, he's good at blocking balls. So it's just more than the offense that JT brings back to the team. It's a steadiness on defense that we really need behind the plate. Yeah. He's the best catcher in baseball. Yeah. B C I B Andrew Knapp doesn't give that to you. No one else gives that to you. JT is just a defensive. uh, He's really good defensively behind the plate. Um, So, Another move that signaled uh, a change of fortune for the Philadelphia Phillies and a man who is already not even two, three days into his Phillies tenure is on the hashtag sign JT bandwagon is fellow Oklahoma and pod Jeff Fitzpatrick certified Philly Archie Bradley. Yeah, back when the the news first broke that he was going to be non-tendered by the Reds. I wrote for the my Philly Fitz blog that Archie Bradley is the guy that makes the most sense. He could, should, and would be a Philly. I predicted that he was the most likely get of the offseason for us because they've had so much interest in him in the past, and he was likely to be available on a pretty cheap deal. We wound up getting them at one year, six million. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a steal. <laughs> I really do. I think it's just a great signing. I mean, yeah, Jeff. If we go back to the second podcast we ever put out, Will, I don't know if you can find a way to to loop that in here, but you said Archie Bradley's got to be the guy that comes comes in and shores up the back of the bullpen. Yeah, and it was ironic because I don't know if you all saw this, but it sounds like on the Phillies website. Archie Bradley is listed as the closer for the Philadelphia Phillies. As of right now, I think he's one of the one or like one of the two or three guys who would be vying for that position. I think it probably won't be set in stone. Who's the closer, but he's definitely, yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the best options by far that they have in the pen to come out in the ninth. Yeah. I think Joe Girardi is going to, kind of at the beginning of the season do a closer by committee type thing where he just tries to get a sense of what guys he, he can go to in, in that situation and like you just said Jeff and well uh, RG Bradley's going to be one of those guys where early in the season we will see him coming in to close out close games I might expect Hector Neris to be in that situation as well uh, you might even see someone like Jose Alvarado come in yeah. clo- at the end of close games if there's a couple lefties up to uh help finish them off. So I, I think for the first couple months of the season, at least first month, month and a half, you'll see a, a committee a closer by committee for the Phillies and Joe Girardi. But uh, man, Archie Bradley, that's just an, an exciting deal. Uh, like you said, cheap one year, $6 million. Uh, I hope he can kind of replicate what he did in Cincinnati and over the years in Arizona. If he can go back to that 2017 Arizona, 
Whew. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I'm really looking forward to having Archie Bradley. Yeah. yeah. And free agency's not over, so we'll see. Maybe we get another guy in there to compete or maybe walk down the roll. But and it, we have seen a few other uh, few other names come off big names come off free agency. The what the one of the biggest names really um talking relievers, obviously moving from Archie Bradley, we saw Liam Hendricks get an absolutely insane deal from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, well, let me pull up the exact contract, but Jeff Passan reported it, and the way he explained it was just... It was a little confusing out. at first. Right, so it's a... I just had it up to, and now I can't find it, but he's going... I believe it's four years. The, yeah, the crazy thing really is... three years. Yeah, it's a three-year deal with in a club option on the fourth, but the club option is the same amount or the buyout for the club option is the same amount as his salary, which I believe is around 13, 14, somewhere in there million. And so they're going to be paying him the same amount that fourth year, whether he pitches for them or not. So seems likely that William Hendricks is going to be a Chicago White Sox for all four years. Yeah, I think it was a great signing by the White Sox. Obviously, they have the youth and the talent right now, both on the offensive and obviously with the rotation. I think a signing like this really puts them in a good position in the AL Central. Now, obviously, the Twins are still a powerhouse in that division, but it sounds like the Indians are, are clearing house with Lindor going to the Mets. Wow. So it, I, I think it's a smart move by the White Sox. I'm interested to see what what's going to happen and how it's going to shape out for them for the coming year. All right. So here's the um, exact structure of that deal. So um, it's a three-year deal that will pay Hendricks $39 million in those first three years. So $13 million a year. And, but there's a fourth year option where the salary is $15 million and the buyout for the fourth year is also $15 million. So Jeff, that's what you were saying. Um, it makes way more sense for the, the, I mean, Liam Hendricks would just have to be disastrously bad to for the the White Sox to want to buy out that fourth year for fifteen million dollars. Um, they got the top reliever on the market at a. I think it's a good deal for both sides. I mean, Liam Hendricks probably won a little bit with that fourth year option, but uh, they they've just the White Sox are making moves to win the AL Central. Yeah, to me, they got to be the the clear favorite to win that division now. Well, yeah, and I think when when you look at now the playoff picture in the, the American League, um, who, who again, who knows where Trevor Bauer will land? But you have to think the White Sox with that, like Will said, that insanely potent offense, and now a top line number one closer coming out of the bullpen to shut teams down. The White Sox look scary. Yeah, I think. Off the top of my head, I think I had them as the the second best team in the American League behind the Yankees. Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment of their um, talent right now. So another reliever that went off the board today. Minutes before the podcast. Yeah, literally I was sitting in class today and I saw Jeff Passon tweeted as a Kirby Yates as a Toronto Blue Jay. Initial reactions to that, guys? 
I love the move. Uh, now, well, now, as a slight biased, maybe Toronto Blue Jays slight fan here, I love the move. Now, obviously, we've we've seen some youth from the Blue Jays. Vlad Guerrero looks really good again this year. Lourdes Gurriel. Vlad, I saw a picture of Vlad Guerrero slimmed down, yeah. too. He looks yes. like a different person. It's like half of what he was last year, at right. least. Right. I know. And, and their prospects are are some of the best in in the league. The rotation still is a bit of a question mark, but I think signing somebody like Kirby Yates was a great move and they still have money to go out. And there, there's rumors that maybe George Springer finds his way up in Toronto. We'll see. I think if, if they do end up signing George Springer, I think it, it flips the AL East. I don't think they beat the Yankees for the top spot, but that wild card picture uh, looks more and more intriguing, especially we have the twins and the white Sox in the AL central one team's going to win the division. The other one's probably going to be in the wild card race. So I think, I, I think it's a smart move by the blue Jays. They, they want to compete. So I, I I'm excited for them signing Kirby Yates. It seems like a, a good buy low move. You saw Yates be maybe the most dominant closer in baseball two years ago. Yeah. And then battle considerable injuries. Right. And that led to him struggling this past year. So obviously if they're getting two years ago's version of Kirby Yates, it's a steal for whatever he's paid. Yeah. They haven't um, released. Right. There has been a figure for his contract yet. That's what I was kind of trying to figure out to see if there was something we could figure out there. But um yeah, I mean, he was right around the top near the Cy Young uh, in 2019. He had a 1.19 ERA, 41 saves over 60.2 innings, struck out 101 guys. That's that's yeah. Those are some high quality numbers from a closer. I think it's smart for the Blue Jays, and that it adds the Blue Jays have a, a younger bullpen. Yeah, and adding. Kirby Yates in there, that veteran presence that has had success and can be a good influence on those younger guys. I think it bodes really well for the Blue Jays. Even if, even if it's a, a little bit more of an expensive deal, I think the leadership and mentality he brings in is is invaluable for those young guys. Yeah, I would assume, if we don't have the numbers on the deal yet, that the base salary is probably not going to be that high, but it'll probably be an incentive-laden deal probably be betting on himself a lot because right as we were saying he was really he was the cream of the crop when in terms of closers two years ago right and then unfortunately like you said jeff injuries last year just ruined his season he he barely played last year because of injuries yeah i mean last geez he only pitched four four and one third innings last year right before the injury so um I will. I'm, I'm looking to see Kirby Yates uh, bounce back. I'm not sure he recaptures 2019 form, but uh, he'll be he'll be something helpful to the Blue Jays. What um, was crazy was that 2019 with all those saves that wasn't even like what seems to be prime edition Padres, and now we're seeing them get even better. They're still. Still adding to the rotation. <laughs> the Padres are going to pitch like I have a 10-man rotation. In yeah, like breaking years. news. The first 10-man rotation ever for the Padres. They're, all 
All studs too. There, there's not going to be a right. bench, guys. It's all just going to be pitchers. Pitchers, Je- like Jesus. Uh, they added Joe Musgrove from the Pirates, and like I, are they doing too much? Are the Padres trying to add too much talent at once? I mean, I, I don't. Think I don't. You saw them do that a uh, couple years back when they added. Uh, the headliner of that offseason was Matt Kemp, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it just didn't mesh well. So I, I thought maybe they were better off not making this move, kind of letting it ride, because it it does start to create some uncertainty for some guys where maybe now they're not as comfortable. They're, they feel like every guy in that rotation – deserves a job yeah i'd take any one of them in our rotation any of their guys would be our three here you go worst just think about this as the roster options here so they have blake snell you darvish denilson lamette joe musgrove chris paddock mackenzie gore joey uh luchesi adrian morahan and ryan weathers well well, casey was moved in the deal oh yeah but but still, that but like good Jesus, and then they're gonna have Mike Clevenger come back after next season, right? And you said Mackenzie Gore, right? Well, yeah, one of the top, if not the best pitching prospect currently in baseball, right? Like, are the Padres looking at moving one or two of these guys? Could they be looking at moving a a Denilson Lamette or a Chris Paddock? Who knows? But I feel like they're they even more at home. More at home, um, they won't. They won't ever move Mackenzie Gore. If they did, it would be silly. But they, that they just have, like this rotation reminds me of, like the 2010 2011 Phillies rotation where it was just dog after dog after dog. Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee, Roy Oswalt, Cole Hamels. I think that's one of the best rotations we've seen in the last 20 years. And if this rotation plays out, they probably challenge that. Yeah. It's just going to be a lot's going to depend on how the guys mesh in the clubhouse. Cause one of the biggest things about the Padres and their success this past year was they had really good chemistry. They had fantastic Kenner. And now it might be a little harder when you just changed up your whole rotation. It's a bunch of new guys. Yeah. Bunch of new faces in the clubhouse. So ultimately we'll have to see how that plays out, but it, it is starting to feel a little like maybe they're doing too much. I feel like we see that blow up more often than are they, not. Are they doing all of this to stop the Dodgers? I, that, that's tough. Because, I mean, that's how you have to look at it, isn't it? Yeah. They're in the same division as the World Series champions, returning the deepest lineup in the MLB. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I at least have to put a little bit of thought into, okay, maybe they're doing all of this just to try and gear up to stop the Dodgers, which I don't even know if you can do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, Jeff, I think back to your point, this pitcher-catcher combo has no synergy right now they've brought in new catchers they the old pitchers that the Padres have they're going to be throwing the new catchers I think well the first uh, Austin Nola Austin Nola was brought in at the 
the trade deadline. So he, at least he has a little bit of rapport with some of the guys, Paddock, Lamette, uh, when Clevenger comes right. back, but he doesn't, but they're, that's, they're going to have to work all, all spring training with, he's going to work with Darvish, Snell and Musgrove all spring training. If yeah. Mackenzie Gore comes up, he's going to have to work with him. There, there's just a lot. And I, it, I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out, but it doesn't seem like the smartest move to just go just keep acquiring pitchers. I mean, there's no questioning the talent in each one of them for sure, but yeah, ultimately it'll just come down to it's 162 games. They're around each other all the time. Yeah. And you just got to hope they mesh well. Yeah, I mean that's that's the hope. Um, we we can. I mean, we we last season we were all kind of closeted San Diego Padres fans when you know no no slam slam Diego. slam Diego. Uh, like I remember going nuts on Twitter when I saw uh who I I can't even remember what manager was complaining that oh uh the Rangers, Rangers manager Ran- oh yeah the Rangers manager. When uh, Fernando Tatis went yabo or hit a grand slam on a 3 0 count, like don't get yourself into a 3 0 count and you want to worry about Manny Machado clearing the absolute bases on you. Um, so the last major free agent signing we want to talk about before we get into a little bit of a divisional talk is uh, the Yankees have officially brought back second baseman and what I would consider their best player, DJ LeMayhew. I said multiple during multiple podcasts that this was the only spot that DJ was going. Um, I heard a lot about DJ to the Mets, DJ to the Dodgers, DJ to the Toronto Blue Jays, but the Met, the New York Yankees get him six years, ninety million dollars. I think it's a really long contract, especially because DJ's 32, 33 years old, um, and ninety million dollars is, um, I think it's team friendly on the salary, but not team friendly on the length. I, I think what you had, had talked about with DJ Spinozzi is the same way we've been talking about Phillies with JT. It just made the most sense for DJ to go back to the Yankees. That was yeah, the I mean, number one signing this offseason. Yeah, I think he found a place he was comfortable. And I think he definitely he's he's looking for that last contract. That's what that's what stood out to me because the reported Runner-up offer was from the Blue Jays at four years, seventy-eight million. So, yep, a higher AAV there. But that was, as we said, he's thirty-two now. So that would have taken him to age thirty-six season, and it and he doesn't might have been kind of difficult for him to right. get another decent contract then. But this should this six-year deal with the Yankees should take him to the end of his career. And he knows he's going to have a legitimate shot to win with New York. Right. And I think DJ LeMahieu kind of deserved to stay in a market like New York. I think if he didn't go to New York, one of the New York teams, he probably would have went to LA just because of the size of the market. Um, DJ was criminally underrated in Colorado. Yeah. He is one of the game's best pure hitters, but people always chalked it up to the Coors Field effect. It was the same reason Larry. it took Larry Walker so long to get into the Hall of Fame. Everyone talks about the Coors Field effect. Um, yes, Denver, incredibly thin air. The ball moves a lot further. But when you're hitting 
over 300 consistently, it doesn't matter where you do that at. I mean, if you're hitting 60 home runs a year in the Denver air, that's a little different. But DJ wasn't hitting for power. He was hitting for contact. He was putting the ball all over the field, and he was hitting for average. And that translates to any park. Um, So I'm glad to see DJ finally get the respect he deserves uh, high up in the MVP voting. Um, And it just made the most sense for him to stay with the Yankees. I've been saying it to people off the podcast. I think he's their most important player. I think they're paying. I mean, they broke the record with Stanton and he's hasn't played a full season since they signed him. Judge always finds a way to get hurt. DJ's just their guy to go back to and rely on. And it's the American League. Uh, as he gets older and can't play second or first base anymore, they can just move him into the designated hitter spot. So uh, I think it, it was a smart fit for both. But that opens the question. They signed DJ LeMahieu for six years. Where does that leave Glaber Torres? I think they picked him up on the on the market for arbitration. Am I wrong on that? Yes, but Glaber Torres is a horrid hard, hard, horrid defensive shortstop. And you, you you just can't play him there because he's just ma- he makes so many mistakes. But you can't play him at second base because that's where DJ plays. And if, if you have to move DJ to first base, where does Luke Voigt play? Things like that. So I, I, I wonder what the Yankees are going to do with Glaber Torres. I think Glaber, personally, I'm still a very big fan of Glaber. Right. Um, so am I. I it just it you just have to think about uh what is going to happen with him because that's another six years well probably not all six years dj is going to play second but at least the next three he's going to be the second fiddle at second base i i think there's a possibility at some point maybe they look to move him but i, I think at this point they're still best off trying to see if he can return to form of when he first came up because uh, obviously this past year wasn't Glaber's best year but I, I don't think it's really fair to judge too many people based on the shortened season right so but I mean realistically the Yankees their lineup is their strength yeah and yeah, they don't really need defense when they're just going to hit all if the they were to move Glaber it's for another ace yeah. So, or for just a absolute haul of prospects. Not too, but I realistically, I think if they were to move him, you're seeing another ace going to, to New York. But it's a certainly envious problem for them to have. Right. All right. For the last little bit of the podcast, we wanted to bring on a special guest or two. So uh, we have brought on Jeff's roommate, a man who publicly murdered me on Twitter yesterday. I had a funeral early here today. We bring to you the first ever guest of the Shoot in the Shift podcast, Andrew Blake, also known as Base Shesty. Andrew, it's good to have you here, even though you're a Mets fan. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Super excited to get on here. Not okay that you publicly massacred me on Twitter yesterday, (laughs) but I I guess we'll put our differences aside to get into a little bit of talking about the National League East, our Phillies versus your Mets. We know another one of Jeff's friends is there in the background. He's a Yankees fan, so he is 
irrelevant. <laughs> Love it. I um speaking on what you were saying, uh, after I got you with the Imagine Dragons thing, I was in the car and genuinely asking, I was like, has anyone ever heard of the band AJR? And nobody answered me because they were like, We're not falling for this. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I was that was the low point of my life. So uh I think we have to start with getting your reaction, hearing about how you found out about the Lindor news. Because we all have our Harper stories. We need to hear your Lindor story. So my brother, my brother's friend is a huge Mets fan, and he flew out with my brother to Miami for a month and went on vacation. Uh with him and my brother went with his family. And he's a huge Mets fan. And me and him are like, we talk about the Mets once in a while. And he, this kid never texts me, never calls me, but I got a call from him. I didn't have his number down. And it's just like, I'm like, why is this getting called from like English town, New Jersey? So I answer it. And he's like, yo, Andrew, it's Chris. And I'm like, what the, like, yeah, Chris, what's up? He's like, we got Lindor. He had to like pull over because he found out because he has um, Rosenthal's notifications. And he just starts screaming into the phone. We got Lindor, we got Lindor. And I checked Twitter and Jeff Passan, Happened to make my day. <laughs> Jeff. But yeah, what a guy. Um, what a guy. I the mean, better Jeff. Did you see he and he and the sandwich settled at what, 625? Might be yeah. an <laughs> absolute electric <laughs> baseball Twitter follow. But yeah, it was definitely exciting. I'm sure this is what it felt like when you got Harper. Um, oh, I, think- I, I can, I remember exactly where I was the day. Yeah. We, yeah I, I found I, out I we got class. Harper. I remember I, out of class. <laughs> I I called Jeff. I was like, "We did it! We got Bryce Harper!" That's amazing. And the yeah, day before I called Jeff, the day before I called Jeff, I was like, "Man, I don't know if we're getting Bryce Harper." <laughs> I I think that I started to believe when Fitzy was like, "Middleton flew out to Vegas for a private meeting with Harper." This is happening because oh, this guy, I, this guy Je- Jeff, like he predicts these things. I think he has a source that we don't know about with Major League Baseball because this guy predicts stuff miss. and it happens the next day. So. Yeah, I mean, I Lindor. Obviously, our reaction to the trade was a little different than yours. Um, of course, for yeah, me, it's I hope it. the Mets is the Mets and they crash and burn, <laughs> which they have. It turns out. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll get right into it. It turns out the Phillies aren't the most dysfunctional franchise in the NL East. That award oh is still with the New York Mets. Uh, their general manager got fired this morning after they found out he had sixty-two. 62 unread messages, some rather explicit. Um, yeah, and he's fired. And I love that Stevie Cohen came on Twitter and started talking about the integrity of the Mets organization. Like, Bub, come on. You didn't make all your money off illegal insider trading? Yeah, it's just <laughs> funny hearing Stevie Cohen talk about integrity. <laughs> A little Cam Newton tribute there. Yeah, uh, that was definitely crazy too um the fact that he went from like an all-time high to literally like one of the lowest of lows (laughs) in a span of a week um was crazy but i really think they did the right thing of getting rid of him immediately uh i there's just really there's just no place for that um especially like the fact that he like first of all like i don't know what it is whether you're on tinder snapchat if somebody doesn't answer you after like two messages you kind of like all right i'll that's, take hand. that's <laughs> what i said like how do you get the 62 messages i mean this guy espn posted a video of the stuff he was saying and he was texting this girl at like three o'clock in the morning like i'm flying out to la i'm gonna be in the best hotel in america like please respond and it's like bro like after she didn't answer you the first time you were like hi like just take the hint like wrap it, it up just, it's just nuts. Like it's just there's no place for that uh, in the league uh, anywhere. To be honest, 
Uh, and it's just a shame that like, I don't know. I, I think it's just a shame that like stuff like this still happens. It's just crazy. Yeah. And then uh, at pretty much five o'clock, Sandy Alderson says, you shocked at the news and announces the team isn't hiring a general manager till next off season. Um, so who's going to like run the Mets right now? I don't know. I, I don't guess care. it'll be Alderson, but I hope they crash and burn just <laughs> like every other season. <laughs> if it's uh, if it's a year that ends in uh, if it's the 21st century or any, any year for that matter, we're going to find a way to embarrass ourselves. But yeah. I mean, it's just crazy how, like how much ups and downs we have. Like we went from like, we got Lindor to this. And then like before it was like, we hired Beltron and then we fired and him then... Un- undefeated King, by the way, never lost a game. Uh, <laughs> but it's just nuts, man. I mean, it's crazy. You like want to talk ups and downs. Welcome to the last 10 years of Phillies baseball. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't call it any, I, I don't know what the ups are though. After 2011, it's just been downs 10 and 11 and then everything else downs. Yeah. Nuts. So, I mean, it's, but uh, also we brought you on to talk a little bit about just the NL East in general, um, get another perspective on teams kind of retooling and reloading and attacking once again. Um, I think it was either early today or yesterday. The, the uh, Nationals announced that they signed John Lester to a one-year deal. Um, I think there's a team option in there, or cl- uh, an option for the second year. $2 million he's owed in the first year. If the, they pick up the option, they pay him another $3 million. Uh, he, he's an all-time Cub player. Like He's one of their like top players of all time. I saw Ian Happ already tweeting, retire 34. Who's like, um, yeah, and that's, hero there. Yeah, John Lester was, they paid him a lot of money and he always came up big in the big game. So that's another, I guess, I'm not so worried about John Lester moving to the Nationals. Um, he's older. Who knows how much he has left in the tank? I'm more worried about the Nationals getting Strasburg back and still having Scherzer. But uh, just the thoughts of the thought of, the Phillies potentially being just lagging behind the NL East haunts I def- me in my sleep. <laughs> I definitely don't think the Phillies have anything to worry about. Uh, I feel like every NL East team has really done stuff to improve. I mean, the Braves, I don't know what it is about the Braves, but they always have like one pitcher that just like, besides like, you know, from their ace, they always have like one pitcher that just does really well. I think it was last year it was Freed and the year before that, or a couple years before that it was Fulton Nevitz. I always feel like they have like this, like this wild card pitcher that does Comes so out well. of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Like it's crazy, but I mean, I definitely feel like out of all the NL East teams, although the Marlins are like, you know, still in a rebuild stage, I feel like they're like, there's a significant, the gap is only getting bigger between the level of talent between the Marlins and the rest of the league, the rest of the NL East. I mean, like what the Mets were missing for so long was our Bryce Harper. We never had like, sure. We had Conforto. We had Alonzo last year, but we really never had it. Like, perennial yeah. <laughs> uh i forgot your grand presence of this so I'll, I'll keep it back uh, we really never had that bat that was that like all-star guaranteed hit like sure mcneil's good but bryce harper we were missing that and now with lindor we were missing a leader yeah we, we were missing it and now with lindor well, that's why you got robinson cano i mean right I, now, we didn't really give up anything big i don't jared kelnick uh hopefully diaz man if he could just be like a quarter of he was in 2018 Hey, I mean, we're, we're just grateful y'all got Edwin Diaz from us. You know, <laughs> you all said, you know what? We just wanted to get him from the Phillies and we're thankful that you got him. Yeah. Them. I mean, all it took was what? One of our top prospects. 
Yeah, if we can get back to the the Two Leicester, of our top I think I think uh, it's a much better fit for Leicester at this point in his career now, being like not needing to be the guy. Like even though you saw great year from Darvish last year, the expectation still is for John Lester to be an ace in that Cubs rotation every year. And now going into a new situation, there's already an established big three at the top of that rotation in Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin. He can kind of just slot into that four spot and kind of just turn in a solid season without as much pressure on him. For sure. And also, I think, um, wasn't Davey Martinez with the Cubs in 2016 when Lester was still there? Was that? Sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think like maybe a reunion there might help Lester too at this point in his career. I, Jesus. I hope Lester doesn't go back to those 2016 numbers. Yeah. He was 19 <laughs> and five and posted a 244 ERA. He was, if yeah, Lester, he was if Lester does that, we're screwed. <laughs> I don't think we'll see we'll see him go back to that, but you can no. kind of you could possibly see like uh, when Cole Hamels got traded away from Texas, how he started to see a little bump in his numbers again. I think you could see something like that happen with Lester, for sure. Yeah, I think it was like you said, Jeff. Probably a, a better fit for Lester now, um, but. It just it just brings back to the point that the NL East is getting to be one of the more competitive t- divisions in baseball. I think when you look at it realistically, um, theoretically, the Mets should be near the top with their rotation and players. Um, obviously, the Braves are perennially up there. Um, if the Nationals kind of reignite some spark, they'll be up there and hopefully – the Phillies are up there. So you really have a four team race for a division. And it's not very often that you see that in baseball anymore. It's usually you have one or two teams that are going to run away with the division and it's going to be between them. I think when you look at all the other divisions of baseball, the NL West, you have, it's going to be the Padres and Dodgers. Yeah. You have the AL West. Um, it depends on, it really depends on what uh, the angels do in the off season, but it could be, the Angels in Houston, uh, you have the Central, it's the White Sox and the Twins. The AL East, it's the Yankees. So it, you really don't see teams that have uh, divisions have a four-team race anymore, and that's why I think our division is so uniquely poised and why the, the Phillies and the Mets both need to make good decisions regarding their future to stay competitive in the environment because um, we both know what it's like to ha- see a team have success and then just completely fall off. I mean, the Mets had one year of success and have just been mediocre. To that's that's kind since. mediocre. Mediocre is very. Yeah, gentle. I said mediocre to bad. So <laughs> we were. I mean, I think at one point Robert Kesselman was closing out games for us. So <laughs> mediocre is definitely a of confidence. I thank you for that. <laughs> but yeah, man, we. Uh, I mean, we had that little stretch, and we only get one chance a decade. It seems like, and 2015, 2016 were those kind of years, but. So we'll see like you in another five years. Yeah. So 2024, maybe we'll get, but I definitely agree with what you're saying. Like, I, I feel like if like even something simple as like one really bad move could set you back. Cause the NL East is so tight and competitive. Like you really have to stay on top of your game and make sure that you have somewhat formidable team. Otherwise the, uh, the other team is just going to take over you. Yeah. I still think it's 
the Braves division to take. I think without a doubt, there's going to be representation in from the wild card uh, in our division. Yeah. So that being that at least second place, I mean, it's a long season. Someone could definitely steal the division from the Braves, but I think getting second place in this division should guarantee you a spot in the playoffs. I, I, I think so. I mean, it's going to take the Braves 96 to 100 wins somewhere in that range to win the division. So you got to think the next best team, the second places could have anywhere from high eighties to mid to low nineties and wins. And that's, that's going to be better than some divisional winners. I think um, I, it's just, I, it's the strongest division in baseball. It has been for – I feel like for as long as we've been watching the Phillies and the Mets, it's it seems like every year it's a three-team three race to win the division. I think back to like 2007 when the Phillies went on an absolute tear at the end of the season to steal the division back from the Mets. 2008, it was multiple teams in it. it just every year, even as 2017, 2018, 2019, where the Phillies look like they're making a run – and then the rest of the teams just come absolutely tearing back and take the division from them. So I think it's going to take a sustained effort from a team that has a really good season to win this division. I think 100%. it'll be incredibly close between the three top three teams, probably. I mean, and it comes down to are all your big names clicking at the same time? Is Michael Conforto, Conforto Pete Alonso, and Francisco Lindor clicking at the same time when it matters? are Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, and JT clicking at the right time. I mean, Jake DeGrom's always going to be on it, but are the rest of the Mets pitchers, are the Phillies pitchers on it? And I think that's what it's going to come down to. That's what it's going to have to take to stop the Braves is at the right time, everyone gets hot and and a team makes a run. 100%. It's going to be that extra depth that's going to set apart one team from another because, yeah, every team has their all-stars, but it's going to be the rest of the team. Can they match the level of the all-stars or can they at least support them? And I feel like that's going to really – allow one team to take over the division from the rest. But like Fitzy said, I really think the Braves are another team that's like always been really good, especially recently. So I think that I think definitely the Mets and Phillies have definitely made better cases for themselves, especially over the last couple well, of seasons. Fitzy has a uh, money on the Braves to the world series. So. Oh, well, there you go. There's the, <laughs> there's the kicker, but Hey, sure. hey, Wido, you got anything to share about the Yankees? Listen, what are your thoughts man, on uh, DJ LeMayhew coming back? I'm just happy that they got the deal done. I was I was ready to start my fire Cashman tweets because <laughs> it was getting you're, bad. It was dark. Now I'm just you're happy that. with you're happy with six years, ninety million dollars. Listen, you had to, you had to get the deal done. So I mean, I'm willing to go longer on the years because you couldn't afford to let him walk, especially if Toronto was in the mix for him. So well, and that now we just because... got to see if they can cash in on Castillo. Castillo's <laughs> not going anywhere. No. I think we we certainly are in for seeing a fun race in the NL East this year. Definitely. Probably not a fun race in the, the AL East. It looks like that's with the Rays it, tearing it down. It's a one the Rays win. really did tear it down after going to a World Series. That looks like it's the Yankees division through and through. And I mean, it, it, coming up in a podcast pretty soon when we start rolling around towards spring training, we'll – the the guys, me and the guys will roll out our our uh, predictions for the season. But 
Right now, it's still early to tell. Uh, there's a lot of guys that could. The Mets, who know? Maybe they could sign George Springer. Maybe uh, old Sammy or Stevie Cohen's got a little trick up his sleeve. He didn't spend uh, that much on a catcher. It leaves it open. Will said earlier in the podcast, there's been rumors about Springer to the, the Blue Jays. Um, yeah, and those seem right now, there's Twitter kind of going crazy. Slight breaking news. There's a lot of things going on that uh, seem to be saying that Springer could be getting really close to the Blue Jays. I feel like since they missed out on LeMahieu, I really don't think the Blue Jays – I feel like the Blue Jays are going to go all out for Springer. And then to clean something up, we also uh, – the the number – that we were oh yeah will will figured it out let will break the news will what's the number on uh kirby yates you were the you brought it up yeah i think so that's you i think it was reported one year 8.28 million dollar contract for kirby yates i think is what the numbers i'm seeing yeah it just got adjusted it's 5.5 guaranteed and as we discussed what i was saying it's probably going to be Incentive laden, there is around 4.5 million in performance bonuses. It's pretty solid. It's not a bad deal for Kirby H. He's betting on himself to do well. Uh, before we round out the podcast, uh, a little bit of sad news in baseball. Uh, rest in peace to a major league uh, stud, Hall of Famer, one of the best pitchers. Uh, Don Sutton passed away yesterday, longtime Dodger. Uh, over his career, won 324 games, struck out 3,500, almost 3,600 dudes, pitched over 5,000 innings. Hall of Famer, no doubt. Uh, he's in, but uh, just rest in peace. Another a real one. We've seen too many uh, big-name baseball guys go in the past couple months. Yeah, losing too many Hall of Famers. For sure, man. Too many. So that's been another episode of the Shooting the Shift podcast. Uh, Mr. Beshesti, thank you for joining us in the second half of the show. I wish nothing but the worst for your Mets this season. Uh, go Phils. Run it back. Sign JT. Uh, we will be back next week for another episode with hopefully the news that the JT Real Muto is going to be in the red and white pinstripes for the next five seasons. Lock up Stevie Cohen. <laughs> Thank you, boys, for uh, for having me, by the way. It was a good time, as always. And go Mets. <laughs>